Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. Our mission is to humanize the church and help you to grow in your faith, love, and understanding. I'm your host, Rachel Trochet, a cradle Catholic who's only human and struggled with faith on more than one occasion. Each week, you'll hear engaging, down-to-earth interviews and actionable strategies you can implement into your life with ease to help you grow closer to God. If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. Tomorrow is the annual PA March for Life in downtown Harrisburg. And this topic has been heavy on my mind lately as I've witnessed the internet volleying of opinions from people I love and trust. So today, I want to share with you the words of Meg Hunter-Kilmer, our capstone speaker for this year's Diocesan Women's Conference. I am anti-abortion, not just because I'm Catholic, but because of the science. Before I was an adult, I was a teenager. Before I was a teenager, I was a child. Before I was a child, I was a toddler. Before I was a toddler, I was a baby. Before I was a baby, I was a fetus. Before I was a fetus, I was an embryo. Before I was an embryo, I was a blastocyst. Before I was a blastocyst, I was a morola. Before I was morola, I was a zygote. Before I was a zygote, I was nothing. I was never an egg. I was never a sperm. The creature that I am began at a very specific moment in time. I began the moment my DNA began. Not at birth. Not at viability. Not at implantation. I began at my conception. Even in our mother's wombs, we were genetically and distinctly different from her. And we were alive even as tiny zygotes. Our existence can be traced all the way back to conception, no further and no later. And we deserved to live. We are now living in a post-Roe world. And while the decision on Dobbs won't save all lives, it will save some. It's a starting line, not a finish line. And it's worth fighting for. While there are a lot of wonderful organizations in place providing life-affirming services, they unfortunately don't have the same space or name recognition as many pro-abortion services. So today, I've invited Eric Failing, the Executive Director of PA Catholic Conference, and Alexis Sneller of PA Family Institute to share with us how we can make our voices heard during tomorrow's march. And as Proverbs 31 chapters 8 and 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. So Alexis, thank you so much for joining us today. And Eric, welcome back. I'm really excited to have both of you on the program today. Excited to be here. Would you mind telling me each a little bit about yourselves? Alexis, go ahead. Thanks, Eric. Uh, So my name is Lexi Sneller. I do communications and policy at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. And uh, I really love living here in Pennsylvania. Uh, Lexi is absolutely wonderful. We've worked together before on on several other things up at the Capitol. My name is Eric Failing. I'm the executive director for the Pennsylvania Catholic Conference. So what is the PA Family Institute and how are are they working to support pro-life? 
Well, before I get started, I want to thank Eric and the Catholic Conference for the great work that they do. Um, they definitely play a really crucial role here in Pennsylvania. But as for the Pennsylvania Family Institute, we've been around for over 30 years, and our goal is to see a Pennsylvania where life is cherished, families flourish, and God is honored. And so we do that through a number of ways. We're involved with legislation at the Capitol, getting good things passed, stopping bad things from passing. <laughs> um, we have a legal branch that does pro bono work. Um, we also have a branch called the Church Ambassador Network that matches up churches with really important information on all of these issues. And so that's just kind of a little bit of what we do. That's really cool. I honestly never knew that that kind of existed, much like Last time, Eric, when you were here, I really didn't know a whole lot about PA Catholic Conference. So that's really cool that we have these different arms of the church kind of working together to make state policies better. Yeah. And, and again, I, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. I always will. I, I just love working mm -hmm. with everybody over at the Family Institute. Phenomenal group of people dedicated to the mission, Christ-driven in everything that they do, and uh, just really professional staff working up at the Capitol and, and elsewhere. You, you, I, I believe you just got finished up with your um, your children's program, right? Where you, you bring all the kids yes. to the Capitol. Yes, we also yeah. have a, a worldview conference for teenagers in the summer. So That's awesome, yeah. getting everybody involved. Yeah, and we feel the exact same way about Catholic Conference. Oh, oh I love the love fest. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about the PA March for Life. What is it? And is it the same as the March for Life in Washington or like what's different and how will both of your organizations be participating? Yes. So the PA March for Life is being helped run by the same group that runs the National March for Life in Washington every year, but it's a lot more focused on Pennsylvania. So it's a really special way to, I mean, first of all, we don't have the terrible weather that we have at the <laughs> National March in January. So I think it's supposed to be in the 80s, nice and sunny for the day of the march. Um, but... Thanks for jinxing it. It's going to snow. Yeah. Now. It's gonna... <laughs> <laughs> we can sled along the road. <laughs> Um, but it's a wonderful way to really focus in on what's happening for life in Pennsylvania and how we can gather as a community. I really do believe that Pennsylvania has a very special community. So we get to gather as a pro-life community in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And so our organization, Pennsylvania Family Institute, is helping to put on the event with uh, the National March for Life group. You know, and it, it's, it's such a critical thing that it's in the state. Um, I think, you know, especially after the Dobbs decision, mm -hmm. um, the, effectively the U.S. Supreme Court kicked the issues back down to each individual state to decide uh, what their pro-life laws and policies are going to be. So uh, I, I can't think of a more critical time to have strong uh, March for Life um, showings in all the different states, especially mm -hmm. Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And I will add, too, this is the first ever post-Roe March. Right. Yeah. So it's very historic. And, uh, you know, last year was our first ever. This is mm -hmm. our second. We had about 5,000 Pennsylvanians. Mm -hmm. And we had legislators tell us in leadership that this was the largest group they had yep. ever seen in front of the Capitol. So that makes such a bold statement that Pennsylvania, we are citizens that are going to stand for a culture of life. And that is really important that our lawmakers know that. Absolutely. That's incredible. Do you think that the turnout this year is going to be the same or, or bigger given the Dobbs decision? I think bigger. Don't yeah, you? yeah. Yeah. We're really hoping for an even bigger wave as people continue to to step up and celebrate and then also kind of get to work with what we have left. That's right. So September 19th, it's a Monday. 
why did we pick September 19th? Is there a significance to this date? So September 19th is the first day that both the House and Senate will be back in session at the Capitol. So they break for the summer. They're going to be back. And so the first day everyone's back, it makes a big statement. And we also know that they're going to be there. So it's also a great time for people to meet with their legislators. So if you are joining the march, this is a great time to reach out find your legislator, call them, and they or a staff member are happy to meet with you. And it really makes a big impact. It's like one meeting in person is like a thousand emails or phone calls. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, I, I echo that sentiment. She's abs- absolutely correct. You know, it's, we, we don't have that much longer for this legislative session. As, as I'm sure many people know, in, in Pennsylvania, a legislative session spans two calendar years. I believe the House has 10 or 11 days left uh, session days left um, for the entire rest of the calendar year. Then they're done. Uh, November 30th, all bills that haven't passed just go away and have to be reintroduced next session. So this is this is the final big push. So, Eric, if we wanted to meet with our legislator, is there kind of a script we should follow of like when we call them? How do we how do we kind of pitch the idea of a meeting? And then what do we talk about in the meeting? Uh, you know, what? I'm glad you asked that. Um, I've done a lot of seminars on um, how to talk to a legislator. And, and what I have found over and over is that people, um, I'm not going to say they're afraid, but, you know, it's... It is intimidating. Well, it's, it's intimidating, right? It's the senator. It's the representative, <laughs> you know. And, and I can tell you from all the representatives and senators I've, I've spoken with over about a quarter of a century now, don't be intimidated. They're just men and women that are there. They're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to do what they think is the right thing. Sometimes we agree on things. Sometimes we disagree on things. Um, I think the most important thing uh, to remember is nobody gets elected because they want to do the wrong thing. These are men and women just like us. Uh, They have families, um, they have loved ones, they have friends, and they're getting hit with a thousand problems a day in in every imaginable industry, sector, policies, you know, whatever it is. And they just need to be educated. They they need to to hear our stories. That's what really sticks with them the most. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a professional lobbyist. I'm up at the Capitol all the time. Um, but I always tell folks, I mean, they know me. They know what I do. They know it's my profession. But if they get three people from their district, you just call up and say, mm-hmm. hey, can I sit down with a senator? Hey, I like to, to meet with the rep. They love meeting folks, especially in their district offices. And it means so much more than the uh, professional lobbyists going in because they hear directly from their neighbors when mm. you go in to talk to them in their district office. You know, and if you don't know anything about them, that's okay. Walk into the district. Here's what I, I like to do, and I've, I've said it over and over again. Walk into their district office and just take a quick look at what's in their office. You'll see pictures of their kids, pictures of their mm-hmm. spouse, you know, the, the big fish they caught last year in the mm-hmm. summer when they went on that big fishing trip, you know. And, and I, I bet you're going to find something. Even if they don't agree with us on all of our issues, I bet you're going to find some common ground with them. And uh, it's, it's a relationship. You know, you build a relationship with your legislator just like you build a relationship with your friends. Uh, it all starts with, hey, let's get together and talk. Yeah. I bet it really helps to be able to put a face to a story instead of just having them reciting a story that they've heard from an internet page or whatever that you can say you know, Lexi or Eric and actually put a face to it. That's really, really impactful. You know, and and the number one thing I would say is if you don't agree on it, it's okay to disagree. It's it's Mm -hmm. okay to agree that we're going to have different (laughs) positions on this. Uh, Don't get angry. Never get Mm -hmm. angry. 
never raise your voice. And, uh, you know, I've, I, there was one legislator I worked with for years and years and years. It was always very pro-choice. But eventually, this legislator started calling me with questions. Mm. And those questions led to something else, which led to something else, which actually led to uh, an event that the uh, Family Institute put on. And I invited him to, to be a guest at, at my table. He's voted pro-life ever since. Wow. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, once you get to know somebody, you know, at first he would a little hostile <laughs> about pro-life. But once once you get to know someone, it starts to break down. It's just like, well, why do you think that? What? Do, but why do you believe that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you can turn them around. Mm-hmm. Well, and just to add to that, I mean, I think that's such an encouraging story. And I think just along the lines of what you're saying, it's even if your legislator disagrees with you, for them to hear a loving and winsome defense mm. of life, mm-hmm. that just, I mean, you know, the other side has all these things that they say about how we're hateful and angry and don't care about women. And all it takes is for them to actually talk to someone who's pro-life. And that just, everything dissipates, yeah. all of those kind of straw men arguments. So even that in and of itself is powerful. And just another thing to add on to what you said, um, the the state coordinator for the March for Life, Erin Getz, mm-hmm. she was actually also pro-choice. Mm-hmm. She was a big supporter of abortion, and uh, she started looking into it more. She saw some of live actions videos about what actually happens in an abortion, and now she's coordinating state marches. So I think everyone will also just find these stories encouraging be, to know that you know people can still change their minds, even if it feels like you know, you're not going to make any progress. You will. Yep. Yep. The spirit works in mysterious ways. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's not the same, but it's my, my youngest son gets um, speech therapy and my older son, my middle son, actually, he, we always thought he wasn't listening because he was always like doing something else and like not paying attention. Mm -hmm. And then one day when the speech teacher wasn't there, Mm -hmm. he was playing with my youngest son and he's like, do you want it? on the box or in the box, which is what she, the language she would use. And uh, I was like, he was listening. So it's like, they might not hear you in the moment, but they do hear you and your words are getting through somehow. I love that. Yeah. You know, it's the way I uh, have always told my, my son, um, he's 25 now, but when when he was, he was growing, I still tell him, you know, who are we to give up on somebody? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm just because they disagree with us. I mean, we just read mm. this past Sunday, the story of the prodigal son. Mm. God doesn't give up on us. Mm. So if God's not going to give up on us, who am I to give up on somebody? Mm. Right. Yeah. Very, very true. So we talked about women and how one of the arguments is that people who support pro-life don't support women. Are the PA Catholic Conference and PA Family Institute working to advocate for the expansion of care and support for women and families, especially in a post-Roe world? And if so, how? Absolutely. Uh, we, we support everybody from you know, natural conception to natural death. I mean, that's, that's what we're called to do. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, we, we've been running a nine-month series specifically on this um, to, to talk about some of these bigger issues. Why are maternal uh, mortality rates so high in this country? Mm-hmm. Why are they so much higher for people of color? That needs to stop. Why was insurance only covering postpartum depression for a few months when sometimes it can take six months or a year longer to, to manifest itself? Um, you know, and, and we have strong bipartisan support on these issues. And, and I think that's what's important to let everybody know that we may disagree on some aspects of pro-life, but I bet you we agree on more of the other issues mm-hmm. of pro-life than, than others would, would think. Uh, Child care, um, uh, 
breastfeeding in the workplace. I mean, there are all these issues that we've been talking about because they do need to be addressed. Um, you know, walk into any Catholic charity, walk into any organization sponsored by a Catholic charity, uh, and we're going to take care of the families. That's just what we do. It's what we're called to do. Walk into any Catholic church. What you need, you're going to get. I mean, it's 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 who we are. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I know the Family uh, Institute, and I applaud them for this, they've been having a series of uh, listening sessions and, and panel discussions yeah. all over the state on this. Yes. Yes. So we've had a series called Life After Row, Cultivating a Culture of Life. And we've had it at several and we'll continue to throughout the fall, um, throughout the Commonwealth at different churches and locations, kind of talking people through what actually happens when rows overturn. What does that mean for our laws? And what can we do to now engage even more with life? And, uh, you know, this past Saturday, we had one actually at St. Catherine's. Mm. Um, and at our first one, we also highlighted Catholic charities and the great work that they're doing and the homes that they have for mothers mm -hmm. and just how important that is to, to continue supporting in all of those different areas. Um, so that's one big thing that we're doing right now. Uh, we're also working, so our law center, something that we've, we've done is we've had young women who are being coerced into having abortions. And so we have stepped in to legally protect them mm -hmm. and then connect them with families and resources. Um, we have also had the opportunity, just like a Catholic conference does, in a big part of supporting life is also making sure that we have the right kind of protections up at the Capitol and that we stop um, those who would seek to uh, to remove those protections. And one big thing that we are advocating against right now is a lawsuit brought against the abortion industry in Pennsylvania. It's called Allegheny Reproductive. Mm -hmm. And it's really important for people to understand what this is doing, because as much as we're exciting, uh, excited and celebrating the overturn of Roe, uh, we have something that could take us back 50 years. And so what this case is doing is the abortion industry is basically asking for the Pennsylvania Supreme Court to put in our state constitution to invent a right to abortion, which would open up the door for fully funded taxpayer abortions for any reason. And it would also open up the door. And what we've seen happen in other states, because the abortion industry has done this in almost a dozen other states, um, we've seen them open the door to removing all pro-life protection where we can have late-term abortions. So these are very extreme things that, you know, the average Pennsylvanian is definitely against. They're so extreme that the abortion industry couldn't get it through the legislators, so they need to circumvent that. Um, so what we've done and what people can can take action on is some key legislators have passed the life amendment. It passed this session in the House and Senate. And so what it does is it just says that there is no right to taxpayer funded abortion in our state constitution. And so it protects life. It continues to protect our ability to protect life in the future. Uh, and it really stops this attack. So um, it needs to pass next session once more, and then it goes on the ballots for Pennsylvanians to vote on. So very important. Uh, Governor Wolf has filed a uh, a lawsuit against the amendment that's been passed, but we're also fighting against it. So there's a lot that's developing in this space. There's a lot that the abortion industry is trying to take advantage of. And so that's also a big part of what we do at Pennsylvania Family Institute is, you know, work against that, work against getting the amendment passed, um, just as Catholic Conference does. Yeah. And, and Governor Wolf just lost the first round in that legal battle. Mm. He was trying to uh, call for something called King's Bench and not to get overly technical, but um, 
as as we all know from our, our civics classes and, and just life, for a case to reach the Supreme Court, it has to go through all the, the lower courts first. Uh, in Pennsylvania, we do have something called a King's Bench Rule, which would allow the Supreme Court to reach down and grab a case before it even started in the lower courts. And that's what Wolf, Governor Wolf tried to do to expedite the process. But thankfully, the Pennsylvania Supreme yes. Court said, no, <laughs> you're going to go through the regular process like everybody else. Um, you just can't circumvent all the rules. So uh, and, and this constitutional amendment really just gives the people of Pennsylvania mm-hmm. the right to declare what they think should happen. Yes. With abortions. So. Yes. Yes. And then one other thing to add here is, um, and I know that, you know, both Catholic Conference and mm-hmm. Pennsylvania Family Institute are working to support pregnancy care centers. Yes. There is over 190 pregnancy care centers in Pennsylvania. They outnumber abortion clinics nine to one. So talk about resources for women. You know, we do not need the abortion industry to care for women at all in any way. And so we partner with pregnancy resource centers. Um, We help alert them for threats that are in the legislature and in the culture. We equip them um, whenever we're at events and that kind of thing. We always encourage people to support their local pregnancy care center. Um, Just recently, I'm sure Eric has heard about this too, but the Democratic Policy Committee in both the House and Senate held a uh, committee hearing basically to uh, bash and hurt pregnancy care centers and to slander them and the work that they're doing and to try to come up with ways that they can defund them and close them down, which is absolutely uh, detrimental to the women and children and families in Pennsylvania. Um, You know, if people are listening and not super sure about what pregnancy care centers do, because there is a lot of misinformation, unfortunately, but they provide literally millions of dollars every year just to Pennsylvanians, to tens of thousands of Pennsylvanians in classes, diapers, rental insurance, anything and everything that you can need. Um, So that's another step that there's already a great foundation of care in Pennsylvania, and we're just continuing to to partner and advocate with them. And and I'll give you a real world story that just happened last week. I got a call literally out of the blue um, from somebody saying, um, I know of a person um, in a different area of the state, uh, outside of the Harrisburg Diocese, but um, who is pregnant and needs help. Can I give her your phone number? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, of course. So I did, and uh, I called her up. Um, domestic abuse victim. Um, couldn't live in the house anymore mm-hmm. uh, because of the abuse, I suspect. Um, was with friends, but could only be with friends temporarily. Was pregnant. Um, has a job, but doesn't know where to stay. It's going to need help with um, everything she's going to need to get through a, a, a healthy and safe pregnancy. Um, so we made phone calls over to Catholic Charities, and uh, we got her someplace to stay. We got her the support mm-hmm. she needs. Um, so, uh, I mean, that's that's what we do, <laughs> right? That's what we do. It's just not, oh, you're pregnant, good luck. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're going to walk hand in hand with them every step of the way uh, with these young families. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and I think it's such a shame that, the abortion industry has so much more visibility versus some of these fantastic organizations. Like you mentioned it outnumbers nine to one, like that is insane. And that is not a number that I expected to hear. Like that's such a large number, but then you don't hear about them as often. Like, I feel like the name recognition isn't necessarily there, which is such a shame because there are women like the person you were talking about in your story who could absolutely benefit from the help and and you're right it's not like these pregnancy centers aren't well 
too bad, so sad, like, right. good luck, yes. here's $100 or whatever, versus some of these um, abortion clinics where they perform the surgery and then that's it. Like, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it continues after. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't. And as a matter of fact, they want to go even further that direction. I think one of the scariest things in the abortion industry right now is something called teleabortions. Oh, yeah. Um, and what they want to do is, um, and Planned Parenthood has been very open about this uh, in, in their materials, um, they want to be able to have a doctor meet virtually with uh, a woman who is pregnant and then send her pills through the mail that she can uh, then get and, and take uh, that will perform the abortion. Um, they claim this is very safe. It is not. Mm. Um, it used to be on a restricted list by the FDA because these drugs are so dangerous. Um, so many women were hospitalized, and uh, especially from hemorrhaging and, and the like. Um, but suddenly the FDA started changing the rules um, of what would be considered an adverse event. And this was a long coordinated strategy by Planned Parenthood. And they've gotten it to it now where they, they absolutely want to drop ship these 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 killer drugs uh, to women whenever they need them mm -hmm. wherever they are, and uh, with no medical supervision whatsoever. Um, I, I am personally terrified of, you know, the, the the young woman in a rural part of Pennsylvania that that takes these pills. Her parents don't know about it. The father doesn't know about it. The friends don't know about it. And suddenly she's hemorrhaging out in a high school mm. uh, bathroom stall, and nobody knows why. Uh, mm -hmm. These these are very serious issues. And that's and they talk about, you know, women who are uneducated who might need abortion services, but they're not educating on the effects of like what goes in right. to an abortion yeah. or what can happen when you take these pills or, you know, many of these women, especially young women, might not realize that you could potentially lose your fertility. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you might not want a baby now, but you might want a baby 10 years from mm -hmm. now. And that's mm -hmm. I had interviewed. Dr. Manning, who's a pro-life OBGYN in this area, and she said the first thing that she would tell a young woman who's who's pregnant and freaking out is mm -hmm. just wait, mm -hmm. just hold off, think about and learn about what it is that you're asking for. And I think it, there's just such a juxtaposition with this desire to expand even more so into telemed abortions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even in a normal pregnancy, they're very dangerous. Um, just like Eric said, I think in the last two reporting years, complications from abortion pills tripled. Mm -hmm. This is serious. And we're removing safety safeguards. Like this makes no sense. But the other important thing too, for you to go into a clinic is to have an ultrasound and see how far along you are. And if you have an ectopic pregnancy That's right. That's right. and an ectopic pregnancy, if not treated can result in the death of the mother. Mm -hmm. And most women also don't know how, that, how far along they are. Mm -hmm. And if you take abortion pills past a certain point, there's even more complications. We've unfortunately run out of time. But if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can listen to us anytime on Spotify under Candid Catholic Convos, or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.